0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. My name is Callie, and I'm here with my amazing, beautiful, sweet little baby co host, Elise. Hello. Hello. How are hello. we? We're good. Okay. Before I forget, today we're talking <laughs> about the quarter life crisis, like straight up oldie but goodie, going back to the basics, quarter life. Crisis. Yes. That's what we're here for. So we're talking about that today. What else is up, Elise? Not a whole lot.
1: You know, my, my red hair in theory, I loved it and I do like the color, but it's growing out. And do you see, I kind of look like I'm it's gray is coming in or like, it's like just a little, do you see, do you don't see, I'll send you a picture. It's fine. I don't don't see gray.
0: I okay, bit. I but see something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You see my color coming in and it just like looks off. That's irrelevant. But I just saw myself in the camera and was like, okay. Um, okay. Let's get into sparkles. Callie, I want to hear yours
0: first. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> Mine sucks. I, you guys, <laughs> I don't, I'm going to try and make this short, but I'm like yesterday when, when y'all get me in my spicy mood. And I'm like, yeah, burn it down. Yesterday. I was actually like, I will burn this mother down. <laughs> like I, I was out for blood. I cried yesterday. You did? Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. I cried. Uh. So here's the deal. As we know, I had a not great experience with my first fertility doctor because she gave me clomapramine instead of clomiphene and she fucking dragged me and I was in bed for two days and it was not good. Then I was like, you know what? Other things haven't gone well with her. Sorry, peace, love, Carrie, but I'm gonna go. So I went and worked with Wendy, who is like a real ball buster and very intense, and was like, if you eat dairy, you die. If you drink alcohol, you die. If you don't exercise, you die, and was just so intense. Okay. So we had the worst week ever. We found out one, that it's not just me causing the fertility problems we got a double whammy. So Andrew's got some, got some stuff going on, which is okay. It makes me feel a little bit better. (laughs) I'm not the only one in the situation that's causing problems. We're both hot messes. Okay. No big deal. We can figure that out. Two, IVF is probably our only option. I mean, as you already know, IVF sucks. Elise has been so candid with her experience. Thank you, Elise. And this isn't to say, how do I put this? I am balancing the walk of trying to have a positive mindset while also trying not to be Pollyanna because mm. I know how tough IVF can be. And I don't want to go into this being like, we're going to do retrieval and it's going to work. And then I'm never going to do it again. It's going to be great. It's like, that's that's not most people's experience. So gearing up for that. Number three, and this was the real, real kicker. Turns out my fertility <laughs> clinic is out of network when it comes to IVF. Uh, uh, like, uh, why,
1: uh, why, why? I mean, w- w- Yeah, why?
0: We could go into how that made me feel, but we can just, I mean, I was about to throw my computer out the window. I was about to do something because it's like, why the f- wouldn't you tell me Mm -hmm. that you're in network for everything, but out of network for IVF, which by the way is the most expensive thing you could do at a fertility clinic. So that is when insurance becomes even more important. I just, just the mind just wonders. Like I just cannot understand why they wouldn't tell me that up front. So could we afford to go forward with Wendy? (sighs) I don't know. It doesn't matter because it's just like, no. So I go on and look to see who is a network for IVF. I'm not not making this up. The only clinic in LA is Carrie's. God. So I'm sitting here like, I have to go back to the woman who drugged me. Luckily, there are three doctors in that practice. And so two of them have already burned that bridge. Uh, I'm going to go with the third. We'll see how this goes. But I mean, talk about the worst news you can ever get in one week. It was just like punch, punch, punch. And at some point I was like, I give up. I give up. I'm out. You know, like. Tap three times. Okay, I'm done. Thank you. So my sparkle is, so many people were giving me the advice of like, just process, just sit and process and you don't have to do anything. And, part, and here's the thing. This might not work for everyone, but for me, I was like, I am not going to let my feelings get in the way of making a rational decision. And I am not going to go spend $10,000 for one cycle when I know like data is showing me that it might take more and I'm not going to go into debt for this. Like I'm just, I refuse. And so I believe it is a rational decision to go to a place where my insurance covers it. There's a doctor that hasn't been totally, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully he's good, but there is an option of someone that I haven't tried yet. I'm going to give it a shot. So I was like, you are not going to let your feelings get in the way of rational thought. So I pulled myself together. I made a new appointment. I'm sucking it up. I'm not starting from scratch, but I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be like, I don't care if I like you. I don't care if you're nice. I don't give a shit. You're going to do your goddamn job (laughs) and you're going to do it perfectly. And I'm going to be watching you every step of the way. Got it. <laughs> this is how this is going to go. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, you should be. They better be handling me with kid gloves. Like, I I just, and I, I, I'm i so over worrying about what people think of me, if they're going to like me. You no. know, I could tell I got a call back in two hours because they're like, this bitch is probably going to file a lawsuit. Better be nice to her. And it's like, I don't care. I don't care if that's my reputation. I have been to three fertility doctors since March with zero pregnancies. So you do the math. Mm -hmm. I don't have time for this shit. So my sparkle is do what you gotta do. Just do it, okay? Muscle through it, do what you need to do, set yourself up for success, and then you can fall apart. Yeah. I have to get on the calendar, right? I can't can't afford a month of sitting around because that was the other thing Wendy said. She was like, I would love for you guys to be able to wait and figure this out. But you know, Callie's situation is dire. I was like, thanks, Wendy. Love you, boo. (laughs) Like... (laughs) You literally can't win in your situation. I mean, it's just
1: slap in the face after slap in the face. I think there's, there's so many layers to like infertility and IVF and trusting your life and your future in a doctor's hands and then being betrayed by that. Like there's a lot of things, you know? So that's a shit week
0: oh yeah it was it was one for the record book i mean Callie crying like andrew walked in and i was in tears and he was like i'm gonna leave and get on the phone and yell at people and i was like you do that you do that go yell at all the people yell at everyone please oh you
2: know, like i
0: want to call my mommy <laughs> it was a it sucked but you know what i did what i had to do i have an appointment next week we're going to figure it out. It's going to be fine. No one said this was going to be easy. I just didn't think it would be like this. Yeah, dude. I haven't even started. I
1: haven't even started. That's the crazy part. That's the thing. I feel like when, when most people start out with IVF and the fertility shit, they're like excited and hopeful. And they
0: think that it's all going to be rainbows and butterflies. And then it's like, ah, it's not, there's no, there's no excitement. I mean, the fact that I was actually, the funny part about all this, it's not funny is that I was mad about putting, being put on clomipramine and not clomaphene. So I was mad about not getting put on Clomid, but turns out Clomid wouldn't have worked anyway because they didn't do the proper testing on Andrew. So
2: mm-hmm. that was all
0: for nothing. That wasn't just a, oops, I don't know what happened. That was a, she told me on the phone, I had a 10% chance of anything yeah. happening with Clomid and other assistants, meaning what we did probably had a 2% chance. Mm-hmm. So I went through all that for nothing because they didn't do the proper testing, but here I go. I'm going back. Get ready. I'm back. <laughs> Well, you know what? I
1: feel like that's almost a good thing because now you're going back with like a sense of determination and you're like, look, I don't give a shit. If you like me, I don't have to like you. Let's just get this done. And you know enough, Callie, to be like, "Mm, actually, that's not what's, that's not what we're going to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Actually that I know it's so sad. My faith in doctors has just gone down the tube. If you're a doctor listening, I love you and respect you. And I'm sure you're great, but (laughs) But maybe you're not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so jaded. You guys, I mean, tears, tears from the cold button heart were shed. It was not a good day. So that is my sparkle packed into a 30 minute long story. Sorry about that. Um, Elise, do you have a sparkle for everyone? Um, yeah, I'm like still deciding
1: in my head, which three directions I want to go. I think I want to give a shout out to my clients. Okay. My sparkle is I've had probably like three clients that I've been working with for, you know, a long time. And they have been on the cusp of like making a very big, like burning it down sort of situation. And it's been, it's been a lot of like trepidation. Is that the right word? Yep. That's a great word. Yes. I never have a good vocabulary. So I'm really proud about that. Um, But yeah, obviously it's really hard to like burn it down. Right. And it's so hard weirdly, and like, I've been having, you know, you have the same conversation and you go to the same place and you get back to the same spot and you're like, I know what I need to do. I'm just not ready to do it. The universe must have energized some shit with the full moon or something. And all three of them made these decisions and they're, they did it and they feel great about it. And they're like ecstatic. And they're like, oh my God, why did I not do this sooner? And it's just so exciting. Cause I know how scary it is to like make a huge change in your life, not knowing what's going to be on the other side of it. But first of all, I'm like so honored that they trust me enough to like do what I tell them to do. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like my life is a shit show, but like I could give you advice on yours. No problem. <laughs> Um, but also I'm just really proud, like really, really proud. I think like sometimes life coaching gets like a bad rep. Like you're just like being positive and you're just like encouraging, but like people are changing their lives and people are making really hard decisions and then like reaping all of the benefits and like growing as human beings and having like awakenings. And it's so cool
0: to be part of that journey. Absolutely. And it's because they're putting in the work. I just have to make that note. We do get some people who come to us and think that we have magic wands, bitch we do, (laughs) but they're just in our purse and we have to look for it and it takes some time. Okay. Like it's not something that happens overnight. And so when people come to us expecting change overnight, we can give you some pointers. We can give you some shortcuts. Sure. I cut corners just like everyone else, but the deal is is if you want positive systemic lasting change, That like, as you said, you've been, you've been with us for what? Two to three years, at least three years, which means they've been with us for three years, which means I'm not trying to say that every big change takes three years, but you're only going to change when you're ready. Mm -hmm. And if you do the work before you're ready, then it happens so quickly when it actually goes down. It's so interesting because it was honestly like, like, have you ever heard?
1: It's so much scarier, like looking off the edge of the cliff versus actually taking the
0: leap and jumping. Yes, because you have said that on this podcast, I think twice now, and this is the third time and I'm here for it. Okay. I like think maybe I need to, get, I'm going to a neurologist. Now, so. <laughs> Wait, no, I mean, you said it was when we recorded in January. I just have a good memory for this stuff. That's you awesome. have an impeccable memory. Like you remember
1: everything I like need to take brain pills or something, but it's just really crazy because it's like all this buildup, all this buildup. And then what you say, like, they finally get fucking sick of themselves and they're like, fuck it. I don't give a shit. Let's do this. And then it's like their whole life changes overnight. And then there are totally different transformed person in our next session. And I'm like, oh, like, it's like Cinderella at min or whatever, you know, she like twirls and she turns into a princess. Like, Bippity boppity boo, bitch. <laughs> Can
0: we get <laughs> shirts and say that? Yes. I mean, that's the key. That is the best leverage out there is people getting sick of themselves. And I get sick of myself so easily. So even yesterday, I'm crying. I'm angry at the world. I'm furious. Nothing can console me. I'm so I'm like, why me? Why me? And then I'm like, Ooh, I'm sick of it. So that's like, okay. I'm going to go play pickleball and make a call the next morning. That is very fast, but I have also done a lot of work to get to the point where I am tuned into myself and get sick of myself quickly. But it's also because I'm in a position where I see how if you take too long to get sick of yourself, then you're just delaying the inevitable change. Mm. Um, but it's also about a commitment to the work. So shout out to Elise's clients. In fact, shout out to all our clients yeah. because y'all are committed to doing the work. Some of you might see changes in three months. Some of, them, some of you might see it in three days. Some of you might see it in three years. Does it really, I mean, I know everyone wants change now, but change happens when it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. So good for those three girls who had those life-changing moments. I'm proud of them too. So exciting. I'm literally like a proud mama bear where I'm like, you're doing great, sweetie. Yeah. Love you. Okay. Speaking of being a proud mama bear today, we have a guest. Mm. I
2: know.
0: So we have blush life coach April on today. And before we actually started recording, I was like, April, I just need to take a moment and tell you that you're crushing it. You're killing it. You're doing so well. And it's true. She's one of our newer coaches, but she's one of those who like hit the ground running and has not missed a beat since. And I've just been really blown away by her. So when we got this submission for one of those like genuine bona fide yes, quarter life crisis entries, I was like, April, are you available? So April, welcome to the Blushy podcast.
2: Hello. Oh my God. I'm so excited to be on. This is the first podcast I've ever done. So this will be interesting going to be good. You're going to yeah. be amazing.
0: But see, that's how you were when you joined the team too. You were like, it's going to, this is my first time doing this kind of stuff. And I'm like, one, no, yep. it's not. And two, you're going to be awesome because you've been doing this stuff since you were probably five years old. You just didn't even know it. right? I'm good at finding people who know what to do. Uh, <laughs> and you've been awesome. Okay. So let's get into it. I'm going to read our letter for today. And here we go. Dear Blush, I think I'm having what you all call a quarter-life crisis, and it fucking sucks. I need hope that this phase will eventually end and I'll land on my feet feeling like an actual adult sometime in the near future. Otherwise, I'm not sure how I'm going to push through with this and with any shred of optimism left. I'm a recent college graduate who went straight into graduate school. My friends from college all got jobs in a bigger city while I'm stuck in a small shitty apartment. Graduate school is fulfilling, but it's not as challenging as undergrad and most of the other students have day jobs. I can't get a job to save my life, mostly because I don't have the experience in my field yet. That's why I'm going to graduate school in the first place. So I'm in a bit of a pickle. Due to the job situation, I'm using loans to pay for my rent, my food, my social life, and my tuition. I barely go out because I don't want to spend money I don't have, and I can't afford therapy or life coaching to help me get any coping tools to feel better about the situation. I'm just resentful that life is this hard so early on. I keep hearing that your 20s are the best time of your life, and I don't get how that's even remotely true. I'm not dating, my friends are all scattered in living their best lives, and all I have is classes twice or three times a week, and my cat. I am bored, broke, and feeling helpless, which makes all of this even worse. When I graduate, I'm sure I'll be able to find a job, but my chosen profession doesn't make a ton of money to start out with, so I foresee myself continuing to be broke and having tons of student loan debt. How do I get out of this funk? And it's signed from, does it get better? Ooh. All right. One, who the hell is telling you that your 20s are the best time of your life? <laughs> like can I have a conversation with them because that now false. Uh two, let me just say I have the solution to most of your problems which is it's twofold. It's one kind of get over yourself and two get a job. And what I mean by that is I, you know, this whole, I don't have experience in my field, so I can't get a job. It's like, okay, well then we're going to go get a job that doesn't require experience. Cause they're out there. You are bored out of your mind. You have no money to help you distract yourself from any of the shit going on. You're building up debt. And I'm telling you right now, the best thing I ever did in my life, when I was in this place, I went and got a job serving tables. Do you think I was proud of that? Do you think I was like, yeah, this is my dream job. Like, Of course not. But you know what? I actually learned more there serving, you know, serving and waiting tables and um, bartending than I did in graduate school. Like it ended up being the best thing ever, but I also had to get over myself and realize, yeah, you're smart. Yeah. You're educated. Yeah. You're in graduate school, but that doesn't make you special. And I hate to say it like that, but it's true. If you want to get out of this funk, then you probably have to lower your expectations of what life this phase of life is going to be and go get a job where, you know, yeah, you might not be using your brain in the same capacity you thought you would, but you're getting paid. So those are my initial tough love thoughts because I've had the week from hell and I'm not holding anything back right now. So April, talk to me. What did you think when you read this?
2: Oh my God. Say, I mean, same thing. Like, first of all, let's just get rid of the idea that these 20s are so damn glamorous because they are not, I hate that we are taught that. I hope, I hate that that's been like shown to us in society or whatever, whoever's showing you that, but it's not true. And like, let's just normalize that. That's point, point blank period. And then the second part of that is like just everything you said. I think a lot of times, like, especially being in the millennial generation, like we are this generation that's obsessed with like, instant gratification we want things to be fast and quick and so it's like girl I love you but you got to go get a job like you know you got to do something that that moves you closer to towards the goals and towards the woman that you want to be and so um you know a lot of that is like how much of it is just me being lazy or me being stuck and then how much of it is like okay you know I have to create momentum and create drive for myself in order to to move forward so Yeah, I agree with everything you said though. Like you gotta, you gotta move. You just gotta move, girl. You
0: gotta move. I love that. That's true. I mean, sometimes you just, and I mean, actually that's back to my sparkle. Like sometimes, yeah, life sucks and you can sit and be angry about it, but you just gotta move and the moving sometimes does the trick. Elise, what do you think?
1: I took notes. Um, (laughs) oh, she prepared. (laughs) I know. Surprise, surprise. Um, my first question is like, what is she studying? Because she doesn't sound super enthusiastic about it. And also I'm wondering if her program is remote just due to COVID and all of the regulations and stuff, because I have a lot of clients who are in grad school or even undergrad who are working remote or at least have the option to work remote. If that's the case and you hate the town you're in and you can't afford your rent, go move in with a friend, go move in with your mom and dad. I was 28 years old living with my mom and dad and my husband and my two dogs. So like, it's not a big deal. Like get, get out of your own way and, you know, open up your mind to the realm of possibilities, which leads me into my second thought, which is like everything in this submission is fixed mindset, fixed mindset, fixed mindset. I can't do anything. I don't have a choice. I'm stuck. It is what it is. There's no way out and therefore life is shitty. And so I'm thinking like I think this like dives into like mindset work, which is really what I'm working on myself. So I'm that's obviously where I'm going with all of this. But I think when you go into something with a limiting belief or a fixed belief, it's really hard to feel like you have any other options, which like the quarter life crisis equals feeling stuck in what you're doing and feeling stuck equals not having options. Like she she has the whole, her rest of her life ahead of her. She has a lot of power and control in, in what happens next. And so she's standing in her own way and really, not even giving her the possibility. Like I, I do that too. I'm like a super neurotic control freak when my anxiety's out the wazoo. And I, you know, check in with my thoughts, and I'm like, why am I telling myself that this is the only option? Like, you have to have flexibility. You have to have an open mind. You have to just realize, like, is this worth it? Like, right. And make adjustments where you need to. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think another part of it is like, you can already tell there's a lot of comparison. It's like, my friends are living in the big city and my friends are doing this. And it's like, girl, you can't compare your life to the next person. They have a completely different experience than you and that's okay. But what do you do? What do you need to do to, you know, fix your own experience? And so this makes me think about my specific work with clients who come in with issues like this. We always do this, like, I like to call it a visualization activity. So it's like, I'm going to give them like five to 10 minutes to just sit with themselves and close their eyes and think about this woman that you, you want to be, right? We all have this picture of this woman who we want to be in our head, but then it's like, we don't know how to execute that. But she lives within you, like she's possible. So it's like, what is that for you? What do you want that to look like? And then being able to sit in solitude with yourself, right? Because I think another layer of it is like, we're so externally motivated and like everything around us influences us and it's like what do you want for yourself and being able to decide that and give yourself the space to sit in that and like then execute right how do you execute that and at me as a coach that's what I can help you do right or that's Mm -hmm. what we're we're here to help them do so
1: I I love that you pointed out comparison because I actually I actually get this a lot where people will be like, oh, Elise, your life, you look so happy and you have a house and you have a husband and you have two dogs. And like, life is great. And I admire you. And I wish my life was more like yours. And I'm like, bitch, if you if only knew,
0: like, you only do you tell them to listen to the podcast?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, if only you knew how much of a hot mess my life yes. was, that doesn't make me any less of a person. But I think this idea of like, we get so stuck in our own worlds and then we just, like look at everybody else and assume that they're not also dealing with the same thing. I don't know one person who hasn't gone through a quarter life crisis genuinely. So if she is, nine times out of 10, one person she knows is probably going through the right. same shit at the same time. And that's a place to connect with vulnerability and lean in and support each other. But that's a thing. It's like anybody. And I don't think social media does us any favors because that's literally a highlight reel of our lives, yep. right? Like we post our house, we post our puppies, we post our vacays, we post our job promotions, but it's like, is anybody actually posting like the horrible shitty days and crying yourself to sleep and doubting yourself and wondering if you're, you know, doing okay and going to make it out of this hard time. It's like, so really take that with a grain of salt, because I feel like if, if you, and this is what I've had to tell myself plenty of times, but like, if you are going through a season, or you're in the trenches of darkness or self-doubt or self-criticism, I promise you there's someone else very close in your inner circle. Also going through the exact
0: same thing. Mm Yeah. I saw something the other day that I think it was a quote and it said, we're not all in the same boat. We're in the same storm, but some people are in yachts. Some people are in canoes and some people are drowning. I love that. And so we need to give people grace, and we need to give people support, but we also need to change our perspective. That you're right. Other people might be in the same storm as you, but this is a phase in their life where they're on a a yacht. And so it doesn't look like they're struggling as much as you are. And so you have to work with what you've got. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I, I hate to say this, but you know, you you are in graduate school. You do have opportunities. You do have loans that are helping you through this, even though student loans are such a freaking joke. Oh my god, oh my I hate god. student loans. <laughs> but you know, so you're asking, does it get better? I hate to say this, but the answer is no, because everything is relative in this life. And so, just like I'm in my 30s now, and I'm dealing with, you know kind of the same bullshit of just like a new challenge that I have to overcome. The difference is, is that now that I'm not in my twenties anymore, I have coping mechanisms. I have experience that tells me you can't afford to mope right now. You can't afford to feel sorry for yourself. The why me doesn't change shit. And so action is what has helped me. That doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work for you, but what I'm saying, does it get better is if you can figure out what works for you right now, then it will get better. The challenges won't go away. Life being hard will not stop. That is one thing I can guarantee. This life is never going to be easy. And if people say that it is, they're lying. (laughs) because they want your money and they're trying to sell you products because they're an influencer. (laughs) Like that's what it is. But if you can figure out your coping mechanisms now, life is going to open up. And so I think part of this is getting out of your ego and just trying something new, getting out of your comfort zone.
1: I, I, I want to, I just had a thought. And so I'm curious to hear what both of your thoughts are about my thought. You know, when you're like some, like when you stand in your own way and you're like at this place where you're just like, there is no hope, nothing will get better. And then you're almost like self-sabotaging, right? Yeah. And it's like, that's that's the hardest part, I think, because it's like, you also have all of the potential to make great change, but you also are the only person standing in your way. So like right. how, balancing that, I, I just want to like hear
0: your thoughts on all of that. I have to get it out. So I have to say worst case scenario. I have to vocalize all of my deepest fears. I have to actually expel it from my system so that I can have rational thought again. Mm -hmm. And part of that is finding a support system who will let me. Part of that is, you know, clinging to that hope that if I get this out, then maybe it'll work out. And part of that is also like getting into action and assembling into action. But if I'm not able to express myself with people who won't judge me or shame me, because that's a big part of it too. It's like, you have to be able to vocalize this shit and feel understood in order to move forward. But then of course, the third thing is assembling action, meaning does it get better? Where's your resume? Your assignment is going to a few different places tomorrow that are hiring right now. And here's the thing, we're actually in a feeding frenzy for talent. People yeah. are hiring at an unprecedented rate. So like go that that's, that's where I, I think you're thinking too much is part of it. If you're, if you're too far thinking about the future, I mean, dear, oh God, she's already thinking like my life's fucked right now. Like <laughs> yes. that's what, that's what this letter is. I'm miserable now. That. So I'm going to be miserable tomorrow. And it, like, that's not true. I mean, it's just, you're not guaranteed an easy ride. That's all I'm saying.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think with
1: your point about action, I also think like we have it in our minds that whatever action we do take has to be a significant one or big enough one to create huge change, which really isn't the case. I feel right. like that's like a common misconception about change. Like even if you're doing little teeny tiny changes and baby steps here and there, like that's still enough to create some waves
2: and some shifts. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's so true. I mean, like, just like you said to Callie, like the first step is just, let me go apply for some jobs, even if it's not even the one that I, I'm looking for, but like also think outside the box, like what field are you going into you may not be able to get that particular position but do they have an administrative position open can you go be a receptionist there whatever the case may be and maybe not maybe you do have to go wait tables but that's okay like you need income if that'll make you feel like you know you're doing a little bit more than you are now maybe it'll help you just give you that push that you need in the beginning so
0: yes yeah I think she needs to get out of her head like I think she has too much time to think about this stuff
2: yeah. Because she don't have, have a job.
0: That's she why has, she don't have a job. And when you have too much time, I mean, again, I keep coming back to myself cause I'm a narcissistic little twat, but I, you know, I, last night I was seriously like in my feelings, miserable. And Andrew was like, I'm going to go play pickleball. Do you want to come? And I was like, no. And then I went and put my shoes on and like pouted and sulked to getting into the car because I knew my options last night were sit and feel sorry for myself and be angry and like shake so hard that I'm so mad or go play pickleball and fucking forget about it because my problems are gonna be waiting for me tomorrow. And by the way, I felt so much better when I actually moved my body and like did something that didn't allow me to think on it because I'm smart and does it get better? You're smart too. You've already Mm -hmm. thought through everything. You've already got all the facts in front of you. You thinking about this stuff is not gonna help. And I, you know, that's kind yep. of weird advice coming from a life coach, but I'm like, okay, you're done. You've processed it enough. You figured it all out. You just need to go do something. Just move. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: yep. Yeah, that's true.
0: Move your body. I mean, that's yep. why I loved bartending because I was physically moving my body and it yeah. helped me get out all of that quarter life crisis angst out because I could not think about anything other than how to make a stupid cosmopolitan for like (laughs) six hours, right? Four times a week. That's all I could afford to think about. I couldn't think about Oh my God, am I going to get a job after graduate school? I couldn't think about, is he going to call me? I couldn't think about, did I pass that test? It was like, okay, I think it's two ounces of vodka. I think lime juice. There's a lot of, <laughs> she's, she's she's going to like a sweet. So triple sec. Wait, what's the I mean, that's, those were my thoughts. That was it. And yes. it, it sounds unhealthy, but it was the healthiest thing I could have done because I got to shut my mind off and, and make money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What else could you ask for? Right. Yeah, I feel like when there's like
1: a buildup
0: of emotion
1: and thoughts and angst, and you're in your fields, you have to have some sort of release, whether that's crying, whether that's, I, t- I texted Callie last night. I'm like, have you ever tried
2: screaming in a pillow? Because it works <laughs> wonderfully.
0: Yeah. I was. Yeah. I have journal, done that. pull
2: out, pull out your journal, write, vent to somebody who you trust or you, you know, you have that good relationship with, do something, but you can't just be still like, you gotta move, girl. Mm-hmm. We got to get
0: out of this. Fun- and that's how, that's how you get out of this funk. And frankly, yeah. once you find something that clicks, we've just thrown a million things at you. I say, go get a job yeah. bartending, you know, April saying journal, talk to friends, vent. Elise, when did you say you said something, good, right? <laughs> I don't even know what I said. I don't so- know. You don't know <laughs> rewind. <laughs> <There's like> a <laughs> function on the podcast. Just rewind 30 seconds to right. find it. Elise said something good. We're all telling you go do. Oh, Elise said, get out of your shitty apartment. Go live with your mom. Yeah. <laughs> which is also, you know, I don't know if your mom has room, but like I'm sure someone does. Elise said, actually physically move, which is great too. Right. But the thing is, we don't know what's going to work for you. I only know what worked for me. Elise knows what works for her. I mean, God, if you've listened to our stories and our different reactions to things not going well, even think about just our fertility journeys, the complete opposite reactions (laughs) both of us have had. And it's not like, I mean, I will say Elise has had it a lot harder than me so far. And I'm, that's why I'm probably scared shitless going into this because I've known how much she's suffered, but she's here now. And she hasn't fallen apart and she's still going because she found something that works for her. She likes to express herself. She likes to be public about her grief. She likes to cry. She likes to meditate. She likes to do all the things. Whereas I just like to play pickleball and scream. I don't know. I love (laughs) you. I want to correct you though, because it's not that
1: I haven't fallen apart. I've fallen apart 12 million times, but it's not. It's not what you do. It's about what you do after what you did or what happened to you. So like fall apart a million times, cry your fucking eyes out, throw yourself a pity party, stomp your feet, and then wake up and be like, I'm in charge here. I I'm in control of continuing this or to break the cycle
0: and to pursue something else. So, Yeah. yeah. And the falling apart, I think what I'm saying is you have not let it define you. Yeah. I'm getting like huge vibes. That totally. doesn't get better is letting this define her, yeah. and that's the difference. Yeah. Well, that's
1: such a transitional time where you're really figuring out what your identity is, right? So, like, yeah. that's that's why this feels so life or death to her because it's her identity that feels at stake here. But I want to say, yeah. like what you do in this time is not going to set the stage for the rest of your fucking life. Shit. You, I went, let's talk about John here. Let's talk about John really quickly. (gasps)
0: John, we love you, John,
1: (laughs) John. I don't even know we're friends on Facebook. I'm going to be like, just letting you know, I've talked about you on my podcast, probably eight times, but John was in my graduate program at like 85 years old. And he told he was a banker his whole life, changed it up. Wanted to pursue counseling and it was not too late. This idea that like life is short and we have to just stress all of this into like a very short period of time is bullshit. Yeah. Life is actually really fucking long. Like 80, 85 years. I know people who've lived to 101. I don't want to live to 101, but there's people out there who do. Like life, I think I could pull it off. I think I could right. be like a really good one. <laughs> I think yeah. I could too. I just want to like be on the beach, smoking weed, like chilling until like, I can't wipe my ass anymore. And then I want to be put out of
0: my misery. I'll put you out of your misery, but I'll, I'll keep trucking. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like, I'm at it. but that's the point. It's like, life is really fucking long and you're
1: in this season that feels like you're stuck and you feel like you're in quicksand and you feel like there's no way out. But like this time in your life does not define you because if it did. I would not have a day that was happy anymore because I've been through some shit and I am waking up and I do feel happy and I do feel hopeful. So, like, if you can be at the darkest places of your life and still, you know, wake up and have hope for your future, if I can do that, you can do. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes, you got to reframe, right? Like, Mm. you got to really, you got to reframe where you are. First of all, you have to say, like, Okay, the expectation is that the the you have the shitty job in the 20s, or you have difficulty finding a job in the 20s. But I think it's also important to think about, like your life, for most of us, your life is kind of planned out for you in the early stages, right? You're born, and then your parents take care of you, and they teach you, and then you go to preschool, and everything is rewarded, right? Like we have these preschool graduations, and then we have middle school graduations and we have we go to high school and then from high school we go to college like there's always something to be expected right this diploma or this degree and it's like when you graduate college you're looking forward to a job if you don't have that you're like what the hell like Mm -hmm. what am I doing now like you've always had something that you're working towards and then you get to that point and you're like damn like what what do I do now And I think we can either sulk in that or we can say that like there's a lot of beauty in being able to like create this part of my life versus everything being so planned out and structured for me, right? And so Mm -hmm. I wonder if she just was able to change that narrative, like think of it that way. Like, okay, you know, now I got to put my big girl panties on and I got to figure out like, what is it that I really want to do? And then I got to just move, I got to execute that. And so, Mm -hmm. but normalizing the fact that this this part of life is is supposed to be this way mm-hmm. yeah
0: the formula is over and i yeah. i talk about that a lot that there is a formula to success from basically birth to about I don't know. It used to be 18. I think now it's probably 22 because the majority of people go to college now. Um, yeah. And there is a formula. It is easy. There's a rubric. You got a syllabus day. You you do these things. You're going to be successful. You're going to check the box, go team. You completed adolescent. You completed being a teenager. You completed being a college student. Uh, and so girl, you're, the formula is over and that sucks. And I think you're grieving that. And I, I, can, I can understand that. It is sad when that part of your life is over because then you start having to take charge and making decisions uh, about things. And a lot of the blame falls on our shoulders because it's our job to create our lives. That's a lot of pressure. And this is the first time you've probably felt that pressure because right. everything else beforehand was so much easier to navigate. And so what April's saying, which I really like, is look at this as an opportunity. This is great that you are confronted with the fact that there's no formula anymore. You know what? It's interesting because all your friends who went and got jobs and went and did the thing, they're still on the formula train, which good for them. They're gonna, yeah. they are also gonna be faced with the fact that the formula has ended at some point in their lives. We all have to face that ugly truth, but you are at that crossroads now. And so make the best of it. And. You're going to have to let go as elise said of what you thought your identity was and create a new one i never thought my identity would be surrounding cosmopolitans but you know that's what it was for a while and it was amazing but i never predicted that and it was such a great experience and so if you can stop being so afraid of making the wrong choice or for stepping out of line or for fucking up the equation that you think is going to equal success I think you're going to end up actually a lot more resilient than you even realized you would.
2: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: And this is not the first time you're going to go through a season like this. Believe me, life is fucking hard. And it took me 28 years to figure that out. And then it slapped me in the face, literally drop kicked my ass. And so, you know, I think that that's what, that's the thing. I feel like what you're going through now is gonna, people are adaptable. People are resilient. Yeah. People respond to what happens in their life and they, you know, bounce back. That's like literally how we're created. And so you being able to bounce back to this is then gonna give you some foundation and groundwork to be able to bounce back for other things that happen in your life.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, it's yeah. setting in a stage, like how you, how you choose to, Handle conflict or handle adversity in your life. Like make this be the time where you learn how to really push through because, like they said, like, girl, life gonna keep going and it's gonna be hard. So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I agree. Okay, Elise hates when I say this, but April, I want to come to you and ask if you have any like final thoughts sorry, I don't have any other way to say it. At least she like freaks out when I say this and she's like, hey. you're mean, you're like my English teacher who's asking me <laughs> about the reading and I didn't read the book. And I'm like, "Oh, don't but just any yeah. like words of wisdom, something that maybe we didn't cover that. I yeah. think, you know, that you want to tell, does it get better before we wrap this up?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, her question is how do I get out of this funk? How do I get better? well, how do you get out of it? Like that's, you have to decide that for yourself, right? You got to sit down, make a plan for yourself, move, execute it and, and see if if that change helps you at all. Does it get better? I want to, I know Callie said, no, it gets better. It, fluctu- <laughs> it fluctuates, but it gets better, right? I'm in and a bad mood. <laughs> and it goes back to what I said earlier. I think like the quote unquote formula that I have used with my own clients is to like, Really challenge them to figure out who do you want to be? What do you want to do? You got to sit down and you got to make a foundation for that first. And then you got to create these spaces of time where you can actually think those things through. Do I need to journal? Do I need to do yoga? Do I, you know, whatever works for you and then execute. So those three steps I think are really important to just, you know, push through it, but it's normal girl and it's going to be all right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I love April. (laughs) I want April to be my life coach. I'm like, okay, it will get better.
1: (laughs) I I think, I think it'll get, I have, I have thoughts. I don't know if they're final, but I have thoughts, but I love what April just said. I do think that, you know, it will get better. I think figure out what interests you and what your values are. And if that's not what you're studying anymore, then don't be afraid to switch your major or drop out of Mm -hmm. school or do something drastic. And make your purpose in life, pursuing things that make you feel on fire, that make you feel excited, that make you feel like you're fucking pumped. I wake up every day like, fuck yeah, I get to talk to my friends today. And it's like, my (laughs) friends are my clients for anybody listening. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm so fulfilled by the work that I do that it's like, you need to create things in your life and in your every single day that is going to make you feel like, life is worth living and you have control and you create your, your life,
0: you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. For the record, I said, it's not going to get better if she continues (laughs) to accept her fate, because that's what's happening right now. We have surrendered in a time where you don't surrender. You surrender when shit's not going your way and you can't control it. Girl, you can control all of this. Mm-hmm. You can control li- every single aspect you're writing in about. The only thing you can't control is your friend's journeys and your friend's paths. which by the way, you don't know their full story. You don't know if they're getting money from their parents, which is the majority are, you'd oh. have no idea. You don't know what opportunities daddy opened up for some of them. Like, you know, so the second you go down that, that hole, it's just like, you're never coming back. I mean, it's just a mistake. So turn around get back to ground level because we can't be comparing. I've got so many weird final thoughts. Okay, let's see here. We have a problem in society where we glamorize women in their 20s. Mm. If you look at best actresses age for the Oscars, all of the women are hot and in their 20s and all of the men are ugly and in their like 60s and 70s. We have an issue, we have a huge issue where we put women in their 20s on a pedestal. If you're in your 20s and you're listening, That's great. But here's the deal. Women don't expire past the age of 29. Okay. We have families and jobs and careers and opportunities. And the more and more women push to be visible as we get older, the better it's going to be. So that is going to get better because there are a ton of women doing the work right now, but I would get caught up in that thing too, because I would only see women in their twenties on TV shows. I would only see women in their twenties. I mean, the whole Forbes 30 under 30 thing is just fucking ridiculous. Like, do we really need to emphasize people's age whenever they meet success? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just crazy to me. We all peak and valley at different different ages. And I just don't think it has to have anything to do with it. So let go of the pressure that you're feeling to be something or somebody in your twenties, because that it's just the second you put a time limit on something is I think the second we start feeling desperate and then Mm -hmm. we make really rash decisions or we get into that fight or flight or freeze mode. I think you're in the freeze. I'm just going to put that out there. I think you're frozen. So let go of that and just know that you might hit your peak at age 45 or 60 or 29 i don't know it doesn't matter the point is is that just let go of that timetable um the third thing i want to say is i'm getting strong vibes of isolation here and so if you're not reaching out as elise said earlier I don't know about y'all I don't did y'all feel this I felt like when I was in my 20s I was like great I am paying for myself now I am an independent woman and I have to do everything on my own and I still have those strong vibes of asking for help or monetarily or emotionally or whatever sometimes is a sign of weakness with me I'm working on it don't get me wrong but I just I want you to realize that nobody becomes a success and nobody becomes the person they're meant to become by themselves. Amen. It's impossible. So if you're not actively reaching out and when I say, I'm talking about things that make me feel vulnerable. So like, I would hate to ask someone for a job lead. I'd be like, I should be smart enough to get this job myself. I don't need help getting a job. Such a mistake. Oh my God. Big mistake. Huge. Okay. Like ask your network for help getting job leads. Ask your family for help. If you need money and you're swallowing in debt, like ask people for the things you don't want to ask for. I know it's hard, but it's going to make it a little easier and a little more digestible so that you're not feeling totally overwhelmed and drowning in this really like tough period. I've like never had a problem asking for help.
2: (laughs) Oh baby. Not me.
1: I'm I'm just like, Hey, (laughs) maybe that's because my parents, I've like been on the teats and literally till last year. Did you just say
2: on the, the team? That's what Carl says to me all the time. <laughs> oh I've, I mean,
1: I literally have been dependent on people my entire life until I literally got married and then my parents were like, "This is," And now I'm like, okay, Callie, I need help. Carl, I need help. Everybody fucking rally because I'm not going to be able to do this on my own.
0: Wait, Elisa's <laughs> face when I was going over my, I couldn't read your face. Cause I was like, it dis- it's fine if she disagrees with me but I just could not figure out what your face was signaling. And then I realized it was confusion because you were like, wait, people don't ask for help. Yeah. I mean, I was raised by two very independent people. My mom is an Enneagram eight and she is a fucking force. And then my dad is an Enneagram five and their top value is independence. So I was raised by like, Two extreme independent or bust people. And so this has been ingrained in me. Yeah. I'm not saying that they shame me when I ask for help because they absolutely don't. But I mean, you know, I was doing my own laundry at a very young age. Like it was just one of those things where it's like, if you're gonna live, I had to clean my brother's bathroom growing up, like Ooh, vacuum his, oh yeah. Like <laughs> we were Cinderella on Saturdays and I'm not saying woe is me at all. Like a lot of kids had a much, much worse, but I mean, I was just raised to be extremely independent. And I think that's also where this high achieving comes in because I'm like, you can't ask for help. You got to be all the things you got to be independent. And that's what makes a successful, you know, whole person.
2: Yeah. I have a similar experience. Do you? Okay. Yes. My parents are the same way. And I'm like that. And if, you know, I give myself a chance to have the funk, but I'm like, all right, that's it. You don't cry for a week now. It's time to, it's time to rock and roll. So Yes. Yes. It's almost like you can't afford to do it. Yeah. Right. Because when you feel
0: like you are in charge, then you can't fall apart. I have learned to give myself space to fall apart, but like I gave myself six hours yesterday. That's a long time for me. In my mind, like shit, that's a quick comeback. (laughs) That's a quick turnaround. (laughs) Right. I mean, it was very uncomfortable. So (laughs) I'm just trying to say, and I am projecting because I guess April and I come from a background where it's like, bitch, you better work if you're gonna get ahead. And you know, if you are asking for help because you couldn't get it done yourself, then something went wrong. And that eats at me. And it's something that I have to work on all the time. I mean, I could have easily been like, Hey people, can you help me with the IVF costs of going to the nice Beverly Hills clinic? And I was like, fuck, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to deal with the cards that you were dealt and make the best of it because that's what adults do. And I think there is something to that. I'm not trying to say my life philosophy is wrong, but there are times where it's like, do you want to be alone in your principles?" Or do you want to have a good time? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to feel supported? The letter I'm reading here, this is not one of those times to like dig your heels in and be like, I am woman, hear me roar. I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my goddamn life. It's like, no, this time doesn't have to be that miserable. If you can figure out ways to get yourself going. And sometimes the catalyst is other people. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what I'm saying. Love that. Okay. That all makes sense. We all feel good. Yeah, feel good. (laughs) Okay, we feel good. I think that was my last final thought. I'm sorry that I was such a pessimist. It gets better, but only if you do (laughs) only if you do something about it. Okay. So do something. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So let's wrap this sucker up. April, what a joy. What an an honor. What a gift. So happy. You're with us. If you're going through a quarter life crisis, lovely listeners, we have a push coach right here, ready to work with you. Okay. And again, your breakthrough might be in three weeks, three months, three years. I don't know, but April is here ready to work. So use promo yep. code, blush you all caps uh, to join for 25% off your first month. Guys go review us. Like, I mean, really just do it. I'm already in a bad mood. Don't let me go off on you. Okay. <laughs> so go scroll down five stars Callie, you were in a pissy mood this week. Get better. That's fine. You can say that. I don't care. That's okay. But just say something. And then if you want to give your story to us so that I can be a Debbie Towner about your situation, write into bless you at joinblush.com. I promise I won't be a sassy next week. okay? Okay. We
1: love your sass. Don't change. Love it.
0: We do. God, I'm like, what it does it not get better. It sucks. Life is the worst. Fuck you.
1: <gasps> what, did, what did you used to write in your books? Like never change. Like I used to, do, I used to be like, never change.
0: You're the best. But like, you're just like, burn it down. Life sucks. And it doesn't get better. I would be like, nice pants. I don't know. I, I definitely wouldn't say like, I, I wasn't a hags girl. I wasn't like a have a great summer, you know, like I didn't do that. I was definitely a hag's girl. <laughs> you were a hag's so girl. was and, I. And
1: I did and I did the pen 15 club
0: cuz it spells out
1: penis.
0: Oh god. <laughs> April and I
2: are going to go in a corner and leave you alone oh my god. I'm a child it's no I definitely was I have a good summer with the hearts and all that extra shit oh my god so.
0: oh I know what I would do I would personalize everything and be like it was so great having you in Mrs. Sawyer's class we had a good time remember when we talked about this <laughs> <laughs> just so that you know that I saw you and that I cared ridiculous right. ridiculous okay um Guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in with us. And we have more guests along the way. So we will see you all next time. See ya. Bye. Bye